Anyway, uh, hello, I'm ELH, uh, and this is the series premiere of Showa Station, a Star Trek Adventures actual play by Modavius Entertainment. I have a lovely crew of individuals uh, that I'm eager to have introduced to you all in the streamed environment, but uh, I don't think I need to delay any further because I don't really have any announcements. So let's just go around, have everyone introduce themselves, and uh, we'll get started proper. So let's start with Lone Squiff. Uh, tell us a little about yourself and uh, who you're playing. Hello, everyone. I'm Mal, aka Lone Squiff, around the interwebs. I will be playing the Vulcan Commodore Taraz, who is the gruff-sounding station commander with the heart of gold. Very nice. Next, we have Cad Bane's Hat. Hi, my name's Alex, also known as Cad Bane's Hat. I play Sean Callahan, who is the first officer on Shava Station, and he definitely thinks his way of diplomacy is just have a good time. Rocket, you're next. There's my mute button. Hi, everybody. I am Rocket Fox, and I'm playing uh, Shishista, otherwise known as Shishi, who is, um, as you may or may not be able to tell, I hope you're seated for this, a cat person. And um, she is the security officer, and I can already tell might have some uh, friction with Sean Callahan, but that's fine. Love it. And certainly last but not least, we have Ars Animus. Hi. Testing? Yep. Classic mute, right? Um, as is tradition. <laughs> as mm. is tradition. Hi, I am Katie, Ars Animus. I play Lieutenant Commander Vakoya, the um, station's chief engineer. Um, I'm a coordinate. Um, not quite technically part of Starfleet, but um, well, my race isn't, but I am. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on Showa. Much appreciated. Yeah, glad to have every each and every one of you. But yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Techno Nerd did an amazing intro for us. So, Techno Nerd, take it away, buddy. And welcome back. So something I like doing for all of my Star Trek Adventures games is I like having the players do an opening log. And since this is, well, a Commodore's game, the Commodore herself will be doing the opening log. So Commodore Taraz, please take it away. Commodore's personal log, Stardate 0691.4. After removing the wrappings off the last of the fixtures, Showa Station is finally operational. Starfleet is putting everything it can into operation next step. 
from constructing this new deep space outpost to even incorporating a number of prototypes and live test systems that are working as intended. And there's a pause here and you can almost hear the eyeball raise so far. Showa Station is a dream given form, creating a place where all species can work together on their differences peacefully. It's a port of call, a home away from home, a place of commerce and diplomacy, a shining beacon in space, all alone in the night. I'm always amazed how humans have brought all these different species together under the banner of the Federation. The station is quite impressive, far grander than anything Vulcans would have built on their own. There's even a promenade area for shopping and dining. An old friend of mine from back home that I haven't seen in years surprised me by opening up a bar called Liquor is Logical. The USS Vincent will be delivering the three final senior staff members within the hour, two of which I'm familiar with and I'm looking forward to seeing again. I will be meeting the station's new education chief of security for the first time. I've known Sean all his life, having worked with his father through the Vulcan Diplomatic Corps. He has been a good friend to my son, Carrick. They even graduated the academy together. Sean will be taking over as the station's XO. It will be good to work with him, and I will be relying on his insight during our frequent diplomatic issues. Little Kaya has come a long way since I first met her, a truly insightful and gifted young officer that I am proud to know and helped enter Starfleets, even if others would disagree. As chief engineer, I know she will keep the station in excellent care. End log. Very nice. And since you did such an amazing job on your first log, you may have an extra momentum. And Chad is already giving you one, so you're already up to two momentum. Very nice. So we start today's session during that whole monologue is we see kind of the quote unquote motion picture shot of the station as we sort of zoom in and sort of fly around the station. And specifically um, what we see in the background uh, sort of quote unquote behind the station is a white colored nebula, a collection of gases and other bits of matter that just sort of provide a little bit of color to the surrounding space. Now, the station itself is part of the Coda sector, which is basically this little area off to the quote-unquote galactic left of Sol in the Alpha Quadrant. But what really matters is that as we're sort of flying around the station and seeing the nebula in the background, is we zoom in on a shuttle that's inbound, and as we kind of fly into the front windows of the shuttle, we see in the back, in the passenger compartment, we see Lieutenant Commander Vokaya, we see Commander Shishi, and we see Commander Callahan um, all waiting for the shuttle to land. Now, to be clear, all of you could look out the front window and see the station approaching, but you have a few moments before you meet with the Commodore once you land. So I wanted to give you guys that opportunity to sort of break the ice, as it were. Oh, there's the station. It's about time. I'm tired of these transits before meeting CEOs. What about you two? You know, if it wasn't for the cramped shuttles, it might might be a little less, you know, of an annoyance. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get on board. Well, you know, normally we don't mind uh, cramped spaces quite so much, but that's fine. My understanding is uh, both of you have been here before. Or at least know the Commodore. Yes, this is my first time to the station, but uh, I grew up with the uh, the Commodore's son, and I've known the Commodore before they were a Commodore. Uh, 
my family was detached to Vulcan as part of a diplomatic mission. So I'm pretty Vulcan if I wasn't human. And I guess you could say that Sean is almost uh, an adopted brother in a way since the commander took me under her wing and helped me get into Starfleet Academy and um, away from the rebellion that was going on on my planet. Uh, So yeah, know her quite well. I would say she knows me more than I would like most times. Oh, that should make her as a uh, commander quite interesting. Unfortunately. And, and Bakai is being polite, saying about her brother. She really can't stand me. That's not a, that's not mince words here. Hmm. I thought I sensed a little something here. So it's not romance then. Yeah, yeah. She sits down almost. She just, she like sits down on the bench. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's definitely some sibling rivalry you're picking up on there. And uh, I was just trying to be professional, but yeah, I definitely love to hate this guy. I'm just be sitting down laughing. Yes, keep it up. Make her uncomfortable. It's she's hilarious when she's squealing. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know if that's the first impression I necessarily want to make, uh, given, you know, the role that I'm going to have and everything. And what is your role on there? Oh, oh, yes, I suppose we're not actually have uh, been work introduced. Um, yes, so I am going to be your new uh, security officer. Oh, very good. Uh, Excellent. And say, have you always been down that track? You. Happy to be a chief of security at a big station like this? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I've always been uh, rather secure, you know. Uh, and um, she she is going to, like, take, she has a, a mobile tail um, and kind of scoots it over and waves it over uh, where they're speaking. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, get my uh, paws into a lot of things, I guess. Oh, that's that's good to know. Say, make note: beware of crazy tail. <laughs> also, side note: if you make cat puns, I'm all for it. <laughs> Say, note to self: do not put things on tables near security officer. <laughs> you you will rue the day. <laughs> on that note, I am uh, the station's first officer, Commander Callahan. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> Yes, sir. I uh, <laughs> I definitely assumed so from your pips. I uh, apologies. I didn't formally ask for your rank. Oh, just stop. <laughs> Being super sarcastic. This is why I just keep you down in engineering. And with that, she like she's like, oh yeah, I should figure out what they're doing right now. And she grabs one of the the pads um, that she's gotten forwarded from like the station's current status. Very curious about it. She starts kind of flooding through that so and yes lord exile this is the same rocket from sirenscape yep good eye but yeah um let me ask the players how mean do you want me to be because the the chat has already redeemed one complication how mean would you like me to be would you like me to be like medium rare medium well done uh, we have instant rocky piling this shuttle. <laughs> rocky. Uh, <laughs> i'm so glad you called him <laughs> Um, let me do this. So <laughs> I leave a dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I take choice. no responsibility I've, for any of this. I've Fair got enough. no problem. I've got no problem with well done. I'm good with it. 
All right, so here's what we're going to do then. So, Commander Taraz, um, you're currently waiting in the shuttle bay. You see the shuttle coming in. And as the shuttle passes through that force field that kind of keeps the atmosphere in, the complication is going to be that the instant it is through, all of the power cuts out in the shuttle. It crashes to the deck and skitters and skids right up like within like an inch from where you're standing before it comes to a halt. And, and uh, the pilot, pilot is like scrambling <laughs> at the controls and goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I lost control. Oh, God. Oh, God. I almost hit the Commodore. Oh, that's not good. Okay. Um, well, we're here. Welcome to show station. You almost hit the Commodore with the command staff. How? I have questions. I don't have answers. I, 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 well, I guess I'll have to for the report later. Oh, boy. Um, How long have you been flying? This is ridiculous. We just got here. Um, I, would you believe it's my third day? Well, I've heard this, uh, this class of station has a very good simulator that you will get very familiar with. Very familiar. Okay. State of the art. Spared no expense. Well, uh, Welcome to show station. And the pilot Thank like you. pushes a button and the hatch on the back of the shuttle opens up and folds down into a ramp. And as I pass, I'm like, if I wanted to get promoted, I'd do it the natural way as I leave. My comments. Draws for her part. As, as the shuttle's coming in, she just kind of has her hands behind her, clasped behind her back, and she's just staring the shuttle down. Just like willing it to stop. Doesn't move. Doesn't move at all. Yeah. So that real quick, blank. Uh, as everybody is like getting to see each other for the first time as a group, um, let's very quickly go around and get some physical description just real quick. Um, I'll just sort of leave it up to who wants to go first, really. Commodore? <laughs> oh, audio cut out there, sorry. Yeah. Would you like to go first to, inter- to describe your character? Sure. Uh, so Taraz is a, an older Vulcan, and she doesn't quite have the, the wrinkles yet, but she's, she's getting close to that age. Um, she, she stands very, very straight, a uh, little demure, and it's kind of offsetting from her, her gruff-sounding voice. It, it doesn't sound like it should be coming from somebody like this. Now, she, uh, uh, she, she does have the... the uh, standard issue Vulcan haircut. And uh, yeah, she is uh, wearing the the yellow of operations and has her Commodore insignia. Got it. All right, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was gonna say, I can go. Um, yeah, so Shishi is uh, once again, a cat person who's Haitian um, and she, as you might have heard, has a mobile tail, a very long, a very long tail. Um, she's sleek, has kind of a grayish fur, um, looks like a cat, um, has some very nice whiskers. Um, and yeah, very, very cat-esque, but gray. All right. All right, uh, Sean is mid-30s on there, pretty standard medium build on there, has 
lighter hair just looks like he's just enjoying seeing the new commodore on there <laughs> um yeah vakoya is um a coordinate um she has so she has like um she's a humanoid has um facial um patterns that almost look like scales uh, on her forehead um they have blue blood just fyi she's had some injuries so there's a couple um like obvious scars um and stuff um like along her neck and that kind of thing on her arms um she's wearing her standard uh starfleet uniform but it's underneath a like um working you know like garage onesie type of thing um with the starfleet um com badge over top of that um i guess like shoulder length kind of messy hair and um i think they have yellow eyes also if i'm not mistaken all right so that is what you all see of each other as you step out and meet for the first time and just as kind of a backdrop, we'll just say that the Ensign pilot is scrambling to fix the shuttle as you all are talking. Was there, like, pieces and stuff of the shuttle? Like, was it a really hard, like, it dropped and skidded? I mean, if you were to look behind in the wake of the shuttle where there's literally a skid mark across the new shiny bay, um, yeah, there's a few chunks of metal here and there. Yeah, so she like she like um, kind of makes eye contact with Taraz, and like even though they know each other, she's like, "I know, I'm sorry, sir. I'm my f- it's on the f- first of my list." Um, ch- uh, Chief Engineer, check again for duty. Uh, before the before our pilot gets away, <laughs> she she's gonna like. Not gra- grab is an aggressive word, but uh, stop him with her tail. You, what's your name? Um, my my mom, um, uh, Jonathan, ma'am. And she, you can see her like kind of jot this down. I, are well, you gonna strangle me with that tail? I haven't decided yet. Well, that depends, Ensign, how fast you're able to scrub the scorch marks off the uh, very lovely uh, hangar bay we have here. Um, do you want me to deal with the shuttle first or the skid marks? Based on how you fly, I'd rather have somebody else fix it. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll go get the laser broom and get on the skid marks. Thank you, Ensign. And make sure from here on in to keep your skid marks to yourself. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so for the, the, the two that, that know uh, Taraz, they, they could tell she's smiling. From, from the outside, it would be a little bit difficult. But yeah, watching, looking at the skin marks, watching the interaction, there, there's definitely that uh, slight smirk on her face. Uh, oh, the, I'll look over and be like, what? No stoic look? When did you drop the professionalism that you're so famous for? I like to see you taking charge right away, Sean. That's a good sign. Uh, don't get used to it. <laughs> and then looking towards uh, uh, the other two, there's a yeah, you know, another you know, kind of friendly smile seeing uh, Vokaya, and she she nods and says, "Lieutenant Commander, I'm proud to have you on board. It'll be good to work with you." Thank you, Commodore. And, she she offers a 
a, a human handshake to, to the Cation. And she says, Commodore Taraz, it's a pleasure to meet you, Commander. Yes, Commodore, it is an immense pleasure. I've, I've heard many things. Have you now? Were they all on the turtle trip over? No, I only heard a few things on the trip over. Kind of side glances, the two of them. Yeah, kind of glance at Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just going to sit there and chuckle to himself. <laughs> Uh, but but it is an honor. I'm very much looking forward to uh, bringing some order to all of this. Oh come on! We can't have too much uh, too much order and discipline. We have some fun around here. She she's making a note of this. <laughs> Commander Shishista, have you been briefed on all of the new systems, so specifically the tactical systems being installed on Showa? Uh. I got a preliminary look. I'd be happy to take a further dive if you uh, can. Let's actually, let's make a roll of this. Let's uh, let's get us rolling real quick. Oh, and also, Rockat, uh, people are telling me you are a little quiet on uh, on stream, so just be aware oh of that. But uh, I'm always yeah. quiet. I'm quiet until I'm loud. Oh no. Oh, you're a good volume now. You're you're a good volume now. But yeah, so first roll of the campaign, no pressure. Um, why don't you roll me a let's call this a, either a insight or a reason. I'll let you choose. Uh, plus security here. And since okay. again, since everybody here is new to Star Trek Adventures, I'll walk you through it. So on your character sheet, um, you obviously have the attributes and disciplines. Um, you would check which ones you want to use, and then you would click Perform Task. And it's going to then pop up a little window and ask you a bunch of questions. And if you need me to walk you through those questions, I'm happy to do so. Ooh, so I'm to understand, I could use, you said security or reason? Uh, insight or reason, at plus security. Insight, plus security, okay. Uh, I have more here, so let's do that. Okay. <laughs> um. All right, so as we go through number of dice and pool, tell me more. So by default, uh, the way the system works is you start with a pool of two D20 and okay. low numbers are good here. You want to see ones, which is kind of the opposite from D&D &D where you want to see 20s. 20s in the systems are complications. They aren't necessarily crit fails, but as we saw with the chat provided complication, they can throw wrenches into plans for fun times usually. Um, now it's going to also ask you, uh, if you have a focus that applies and what a focus means is it's something that your character is skilled in or is like really specialized in. And if you have a focus, what that means is your discipline score is your crit range. So for example, you have a security of five, uh, commander Shishi, and you. if you have a focus that applies, you crit on a five or lower, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be really hard for me to work one of these focuses in here. That's well, fine. you know, the other thing I would encourage is when it comes to focuses is it's not so much a game of do I have a focus that applies? It's how do I sell the GM to let me use power <laughs> systems for the 50th time kind of a thing. Yo, if I can, listen, if I can make xenobiology work out in this circumstance, I'm Actually, all you know what? I, I, 
I could see an argument for linguistics because technically you are Cation. You are you do have your True. own way of doing things. I could give you linguistics here. Okay. Well let's let's start here and Hey. Alright, there we go. That is uh oh wait, uh hold on. That is no, that's performed challenge, not uh No, oh my god. Everything is, is awry. Okay. Yeah. Um don't worry, we'll use perform challenge at some point, but that's a different system. I don't, I don't want to rush it. Um, okay, let's see here. <laughs> We've had enough challenges as it is. <laughs> that is no joke. Um, why? How do I? Should be the perform task, bud. Perform task. Oh, hey, all right. Um, yes, okay. So, number is two, using focus. So, let me float this by you when it mm -hmm. comes to focuses. Yes. Sure. Sure, we have linguistics. Er, but what about what about espionage? Ooh, you know what? I because, could see espionage being a fun flavor. Because you know, uh, she may know some things because of some things she doesn't want other people to know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Sure. So yeah, you would uh, you would check the little yes button when it says use a focus, and let's see what happens. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. This is going to work. It's going to be great. There you go. And as, hey. okay, as we see there, thanks to your focus, you did get a crit on that three. So what you got is two successes. Now, normally, uh, when you're rolling, I'm going to tell you what the difficulty is. And the difficulty is how many successes you need to succeed, obviously. Um, the good news is that this was a difficulty zero, which means you have... <laughs> two extra successes than what is required now that matters because for every extra success you get above the threshold you bank a meta currency what is, what is known as momentum and momentum can be used to buy things like additional dice uh to activate certain effects and things of that nature and with chat's addition of another momentum, you're already up to four out of the six momentum you can store. Now that pool of yeah. momentum is shared across all the players. So kind of what I would say is don't feel like you have to save it for everything, but I definitely would encourage you all to sort of coordinate on how you use it, if that makes any sense. That does. But yeah, um, with that many successes, what I would say, uh, Commander Shishista, is that you not only know everything that is on the Showa Station um, character sheet, but you also, as fun flavor, you can invent some tactical system that is present on the station that only the Commodore would know about at this juncture. Ooh. Uh, I, I, now knowing this, I think she would respond to the Commodore. Uh, yes, I have a vague understanding. <laughs> Very yeah, riveting I, uh, security yeah. officer. I, There's a, a silence from Taraz. Well, then, moving on. Uh, <laughs> oh. And then uh, she, she kind of just like steps back a little bit slowly. Yeah. As 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 she's like turning to you know focus on the other two, you'll, you'd hear her say, "And Commander, I want a full report on the tactical systems on my desk by morning." Sean Mokaya, yeah, uh, so great to see you. Good to see you too, Commodore. Let me show you around our home. 
let's let's do this. Uh, how long how long have you been on station? How long since they put the first rivet down? It's been a while. <laughs> have you have you gone crazy yet? I know you don't like to be stuck somewhere for too long. Oh no, it's been quite exciting. Getting to work in a spacesuit, monitoring things <laughs> over everywhere. It's been very exciting. I was about to say, is it real exciting or are you exciting? Is there a difference? Yes, you keep saying that. We'll let everyone else be the judge. That's funny so you guys make the comment because right about then, that's when the station goes to yellow alert. And what that's represented by is the uh, sort of running lights of the shuttle bay go from like a standard white or kind of a, a warm hue. They start to begin flashing yellow and you hear not so much a klaxon, but sort of a mechanical computer voice reporting yellow alert, yellow alert, commanding staff to the bridge. Well, Has anyone seen Jonathan? Sorry, quickening the face then. Um, now, just as a fresher for me, do, yes. do we have just wall comms here at the station, or do we have mobile comms on us? Um, I'll let you guys decide. It is your station. I'm going to let you guys decide. I wasn't sure what was error appropriate. Well, it's kind of one of those weird things where, depending on where you are in TOS and where you are in Enterprise, we kind of see sometimes they have mobile. So, again, I'm going to let you guys be the decider here. Okay. I would think we probably have some mobile within the station. That seems fair. Yeah. Then show it's like <clears throat> So uh, with that, make, making our way to uh, a turbo lift, uh, Taraz will plot her comm and, and ask for a status report. And uh, reporting is, uh, what is his name real quick? His name is uh, Lieutenant Frakes, has no relation to Jonathan Frakes. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Lieutenant Jonathan. Frakes reports, uh, ma'am, uh, we've got a bit of a situation here. We have an unidentified craft that is coming into the station and is not responding to hails. I'm going to turn to the security officer hearing this. It's like, prep a team, make sure nothing bad can happen. That's my job, I anticipate. Understood, we're on our way. So she'll close her communicator and impatiently wait for the turbo lift. And Would, uh, actually, that's sorry. gonna be the complication that chat provided <laughs> is that you wait 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. There is no sign of this turbo lift. Like maybe it's even one of those things where you keep pushing the call button and it's just no turbo lift. I imagine everyone standing there staring at it in silence. Like if we could have some like elevator music or something like that. I know they're not in it yet, mm -hmm. but it would it's in my mind. There's very unsilenced from my part. You see very aggressive toe tapping of frustration and no patience whatsoever. When that call went out, um, that was command to the bridge. So would I have gone to the bridge or would I have reported to engineering more so? I'd say that's your call. Um, technically, you would be part of the command staff, but whether or not okay. you go to engineering is, again, your call. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. No, I would have followed with them then, definitely. I'm waiting there asking if anybody hit the button. I assume someone did. Because <laughs> I've definitely done that before. 
<laughs> she she moves her tail over and like starts tapping the button aggressively. <laughs> let's get another let's get another roll here. Let's get people introduced to rolling. So this time we're gonna go to Lieutenant Commander Vokaya. Um, why don't you give me a insight engineering, please? Difficulty of one, which means you need at least one success on the die to get a success here. Um, okay, perform task. Can Taraz assist with that? Um, if you tell me how. It's kind of... As she's looking, you know, looking over the shoulder and she's pointing out, you got to access this panel here. It's not that wire. It's this one over here. I hate how they installed this system. <laughs> sure. So Commander Tara or Commodore Taraz, you can assist with a presence and engineering. Now, the way assists work in the system is uh, you would basically go through the same steps as a normal roll, but you only roll one die as opposed to the two. And everything like focuses and all that still apply to you. Would um would I get a focus for promenade maintenance possibly? Um, for the sake of or, argument, I'll or, give it to you. For the or sake Zeno, of argument, or Zeno engineering, I could give you Zeno engineering in your case. Yeah, totally sweet. Uh, a computer's focus. Yeah, I could give you computers. All right, so we got a Vokaya. We got a one already. So that's the Ooh, successes you go. need, and the Commodore gets you the six total momentum. So. Now that we're at capped momentum, it's worth saying that you cannot store any further momentum at the moment. Um, you can still earn momentum, but it's one of those things where I start calling it floating momentum, meaning that if you don't use it, it just disappears. Um, but yeah, with that much, that many successes, Commodore, Lieutenant Commander, you realize right away why the turbo lift isn't coming. The panel was never connected to the ODN line. So it wasn't actually calling the turbo lift. It was just a light up button. She, she is still tapping it with her tail aggressively. <laughs> Imagine somebody in engineering just getting the light on the board. What is that? It's going to go to the, to she, she like, is the tapping help? Does it make you feel better at least? Well, it's better than doing nothing or tapping one's foot in an irritating manner. It makes me feel better. So it does something. So we're currently at six and half a floating. Is that what it was? Uh, no, you, you're at six total. You have no floating. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and... Kaya, can you see what you can do with this? Yeah, for sure. Sorry, what am I doing? <laughs> Uh, here, you just see these two wires, you gotta connect them. Um, then they cover this in the academy. Cool yeah, no. They tell you. No, I mean, what actual task am I doing? <laughs> so not everything that you do is gonna require a task. I mostly do it for what fun she, flavor. What did What did you ask me to do is what, what I meant. Like, ah. she literally, like, in, in character zoned out. She was not paying attention to you. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She was, like, looking, yeah. looking at the station, looking at, you know, she's just, like, letting you guys yeah, be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need, we need the turbo lift Being to come that, down. Might just oh, I, yeah, of course, of course. And she, like, pulls the panel off the wall and <laughs> continues, continues messing around with it. 
Well, the good news is, uh, you know, again, I only really do roles where it's going to be thematic or I think it's funny. So no role required to actually hook the button up to the turbo lift call system. And the moment you do, uh, Shashista, you are just pounding that button with your tail. And about the sixth or seventh one, the turbo lift door is open and you can step inside. Finally. Thank you for your assistance, Shashista. That helped. I thought it might, and she just like bristles into the into the lift. Love it. All right. So one thing I should qualify in that the turbo lifts are styled more like a what we see in the original series, where they kind of have those like hand things you hold on to um, on the hey. sides of the the what do you call it the car? I guess that's what it's called. And you just kind of tell the computer where you want to go, and it takes you there. Uh, the ride from the shuttle bay to the bridge is about a three-minute trip. Now, whether that's due to improper routing or if it's just that long to get there, you don't know at the moment. But why I say that is by the time you all emerge onto the bridge, um, you see that the bridge is not quite in disarray, but it is more a state of controlled chaos. And to sort of give a visual descriptor of the bridge... Um, it's very similar to, say, Deep Space Nine or what we see in Battlestar Galactica, where in the middle you have kind of that station, ta- uh, station table where uh, at a glance the station commander and the XO can sort of see the status of the station. Um, around in circles are two rows of consoles and stations for things like uh, the security officer to sit, the operations manager to sit, chief engineer to sit, etc., etc., etc. And uh, Lieutenant... Frakes uh, is currently at the center table and sees you step out of the turbo lift and says, ah, yes, ma'am, uh, stepping out of the way. Uh, as you can see on the view screen here, uh, this is what we're looking at. And sort of in my mind to make sure I get directions right. If you guys are coming from the left side of the screen uh, out of the turbo lift, directly across from you is another turbo lift on the other side of the bridge. To your left, up some stairs, is where the station commander or where the Commodore's office is. To the right, uh, up on the wall, is where we see the big view screen. And on that view screen is an alien vessel. Now, this alien vessel looks something like a Victorian lantern, where it's kind of got that box construction to it with sort of, uh, I guess you would call it metal accents along the edges. And you notice that it is made out of a a metal that doesn't quite match up with what Starfleet uses. It's not duranium or transparent aluminum, yada, yada, yada. Um, But the reason I say it that way is because this metal is obviously battle-scarred. There's great gashes in it. There's energy burns. There's unironic skid marks. Um, This craft, whatever it is, has seen battle or some form of combat. As we step onto the bridge, is there still kind of like that chaos going around on that? Do people people notice we're here? Or um, I would say it's one of those things where when you step on, there's kind of that bosun's whistle that signifies that the command staff has arrived. And things quiet down just a little bit, but there's still like a somewhat frantic tenure uh, or tone to the people who are handing flight controllers. Um, if you were to look at a console, you would see that there's about... 10 or 15 shuttles and other ships in the vicinity that flight control is trying to corral in just in case the incoming ship is hostile. 
Um, but it's not like so much a, oh, everybody's running around with their heads cut off if, if you catch my drift. To try to get some more order and get everyone kind of focus on board and be like, station, status report. And I want to hear kind of each station going on so they kind of get focused in, know that we're here and we're taking control of the situation. Sure. And each of them rattles off. Uh, for example, the flight control reports. Uh, yes, sir. We have uh, about 10, 15 shuttles that we're kind of corralling in. And then uh, security officer, uh, or the acting security officer before Shashista takes over, says, uh, yes, we have tried to hail them on all available frequencies. Uh, they have not responded to any hails. I cannot tell if they have weapons charged. In fact, I can't really seem to tell anything about it other than the fact that it's there. Like, do we have an estimated path on their trajectory, on their vector? Uh, uh, direct course for the station, sir. Any particular point in the station? Um, center mass. Let's say I'm going to look to our security officer recommendations. Well, uh, at this point, if they're getting closer and closer and uh, not answering hails and we can't tell if they're armed, we may as well suspect that they're armed. How far out are they? I would say that, and this is something that uh, is a little bit unique to the Star Trek Adventure system. There isn't so much a hard distance in the way ranges work here. Um, it's basically separated into abstract range bands. So you have close, which is you can reach out and touch them. Uh, medium, which is your basic phaser range. Long, which is torpedo range. And then you have extreme range, which is anything beyond long. So, in mechanical terms, the Victorian Lantern alien ship is at extreme range at the moment. Uh, how far of range would we know to be able to, like, scan them? Um, well, that is a good question, and one I'm going to open up to the players. So, among the four of you, who has the highest science here? I have a one. Okay. Roz has a three. Okay. She has a three. Okay. Two. 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 Okay. We are not very scientific. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm picking up. So and we're action. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do this then? Um, I'm going to let you, uh, the Commodore and the Commander decide uh, who is assisting whom. So you'll both roll on this. Um, this is going to be a reason and a science. And I'm going to set the difficulty here at a three. Now, this is where we're going to introduce the dice spend for momentum, because you obviously need to either crit or you need to buy more dice. So the way buying dice with momentum works is you spend one momentum for three total dice, a total of three momentum to roll four dice, or a total of six momentum to roll five dice. And you cannot exceed five dice on your own pool, but assists can obviously contribute past the five mark. Question. Yes. Uh, would scanning this flying angry lantern, uh, would the focus of xenobiology come into play here? I would give it to you. I have xenobiology that I can offer. Yeah, I'd give it to you. The only thing Taraz would, would really have here as far as focuses go using the sensors, so it would be like computers. So for reason and science, that would be a 13. Um, let's see, reason, yeah, same. Okay, then uh, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and roll 
and then she'll assist. All right. Okay. How many for uh, for the gallery? How many momentum should we throw into this? I'm okay with spending three. We have six. Let's use them. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. We are clearly going to get many more. Yes. Um, okay. And so. I don't know if Chad has anything to say about. It. Shh! Don't say that. Uh, so let's see. Remind me, three gets us. Uh, four three. dice for you. Four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Need to write all these down. Uh, easy focus. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you said it's a complication of three. Uh, complication. You're going to leave it one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And complication range. I'll let you know when it changes, but usually it's okay. only twenties that are complications. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to be awesome. Hey, there's four hey. successes. Very nice. Nice. Hey. All right. And then, yeah, let's see what the Commodore, another success. You guys go up back up to five momentum. Very nice. All right. So you two working together uh, in conjunction with the station's brand new sensor suites, you understand very quickly that, again, this metal is not only something that is not Federation standard or anything that has actually been encountered ever. Like this is a brand new material. But since you succeeded so well, I'm going to give you the additional information that this is the equivalent of, how do I want to say this? This is the equivalent of taking like plastic, modern day plastic, and showing it to a medieval peasant. Like what would the peasant react kind of a thing. Now, I realize I just called you peasants in that analogy, but, you know, I can only do so much. Um, suffice to say that if you could just get a sample of this metal and learn how it's constructed, you might be able to do some very good things with it is what I'm trying to get out there. Now, before we move on, there is also something I need to alert you to in that, um, you can spend one momentum per question to ask me anything about the current role. And I have to answer honestly and completely. So if you do have an extra question that I don't answer, um, you can spend momentum to get that answer. Um, I would like to spend one then. Okay. In this scan that we did, can we identify things that would be like engines, weapon systems, things like that? Yes, and I will give it to you for the momentum spend. Um, you would see that it actually does not possess any conventional weapon systems. Um, it does have basic deflector shielding. But it does not appear to have any, like, cannons or banks or arrays. To put it bluntly, it kind of looks like a race car in a way, where it's just kind of meant for speed. So far that we can tell, if we don't recognize the materials, I mean, we may not recognize the weapons. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Tactical, how far does our tractor beam go? Can we get a lock on on this unidentified craft? Uh, what I would say to Shishista is your tractor beam goes out to close range, so they'd have to come significantly closer. They would have to come significantly closer. That is less than ideal, but they don't seem to be stopping. Yeah, it seems like and they'll so get here eventually. If, it, if it's not so late, there's, there's one other question I had regarding that sensor scan. Sure. Um, if everyone's okay for me to spend this momentum. Yeah, go for I it. wanted to get information on life signs aboard the ship. Sure. 
bring you down to three momentum. And yes, there is one life sign aboard, very faint, and it does not conform to any known species pattern. What is the range of the station's transporters? Ah, now that is a question for Vokaya. And Vokaya, you would know that technically you could beam from long range. It would be difficult, but you could do it. Um, sir, we could we could definitely get them from this range, but it would be it would be difficult. It, you know, I'd feel comfortable if we were closer. Lieutenant, would it be possible to assign some of the station's worker bees? to attach to that ship and bring it in a little more safely and a little bit more securely. GM? It would. Yeah. Um, y- yes, sir. Uh, I could definitely um, look into that. I think that's exactly what we should do. As they're having this conversation, I will uh, use my communicator to sickbay prep a quarantine for a single patient. So now comes the interesting thing where we're going to do a con roll. Now, to my understanding, I think somebody, I can't remember who, somebody has a con of four, if I remember correctly. I think. It's been a while. Well, let's just ask, who has the highest con? Let me ask that. Minus three. 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 The fish. I- I do have helm operations as a focus. Okay, then that's what we're looking for. So, Vokaya, what you're going to do for me here, since you are coordinating the worker bees, you're going to give me a presence and con, and I'm going to set the difficulty here at a four. Now, the reason I'm making it so difficult is not only because it's a teaching moment, but because the ship is moving rather rapidly towards the station, and you got to make sure the worker bees don't crash and all that. Now... Since the difficulty is a four, the teachable moment is that you have something called determination. And every character starts with one determination. You start the, the, the adventure, each adventure with one determination. The way you use determination is you tie it to a value that you possess. And as long as you can tie something to a value, you can use determination. Now you're asking, well, what does determination get me? If you use it before the roll you get an automatic two successes to start, meaning that you basically front load a two successes. If you use it after the roll, you can re-roll as many dice as you want. So it's kind of a checks and balancing of, do I go for the front load and hope I don't roll complications, or do I roll and then re-roll if need be kind of a thing. Um, Now, I'm not saying you have to do that in this instance, but that is why I'm setting the difficulty so high, so I could teach you that. Gotcha. Could I assist since I have a focus in like inspiration? I would, um, yes. I would allow you to assist with your presence command in your instance. Perfect. I'm not sure if any of my values really would be tappable for, for this task. Well, uh, if I can direct your attention to the Shoah station sheet, um, you should see that the station has mission directives. Now, since you guys are on a station... Um, these mission directives can be used in place of a value. Gotcha. Okay. How many dice will be in my pool? Uh, again, as an assist, you are only ever rolling the one. Okay. 
And it's important for me to say that uh, you are considered to be assisting as long as the one doing the actual task rolls at least one success. If they don't roll any successes, then your assistance unfortunately goes to waste. Okay, so with that in mind, the mission directive um, uphold the laws and values of the Federation, as in, you know, rescuing people is probably a big part of that. Right? It is indeed, yeah. Totally. Um, sweet. So I'll um, tap that directive for determination. Okay. So we'll start off with two free successes. Do you want to buy any additional Definitely. dice? Uh, what are we sitting at here? Three? Mm -hmm. Three. Maybe I'll buy one, if that's all right. Sure. Now, Please. small caveat here. Um, technically, oh, the, the, because determin I spend. Yeah, the determination die already counts as an additional die in your pool. So you are buying for three momentum here. So it would be all your momentum for that third die, if that makes sense. Hmm. And it gets, a little, it gets a little squirrely, but don't worry. I'll keep track of most of that for you. I don't think we need to spend three on this one since we already have two successes on there. Is that an order? No, that was out of character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is this momentum? What is Why this guy you speak of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's consensus, then for sure, I won't. I won't spend it. We'll just see see where it lands with the two dice for sure. Okay, and you already have the one success from uh, the good commander. So all I really need to see is just yep. one success here. Okay, um, so presence, con, right? Mm -hmm. Perform task. Uh, I do have a focus. Yes. Yep. Um, two dice. Hey. All right, and there you go. There's the two successes you need. So that is a grand total of four. So yeah, what we see is uh, your fingers dancing across the console, coordinating all these little worker bees that depart from the station, thankfully not piloted by a certain ensign who is still scrubbing the skid marks. Um, but we see the worker bees fly out to not quite envelop, but very carefully latch on to the metal of the Victorian Lantern alien ship, which is just fun to say. And slowly but surely, the worker bees begin to slow the vessel until it is safely within tractor beam range. And you can basically move the ship wherever you want. Now, something I would highlight is what is known as scale. Um, scale is probably what you're thinking it is the size of a vessel or the size of a station you guys are a scale six so you're about the same size as a k-class station or if you really want to just get a, a quick example you are about the size of a galaxy class starship or bigger so you're you're big this alien ship is a scale three or about the same size as a defiant class or about the same size as a nova class um so you can easily move this to a docking part of your station and basically connect a gantry and you're good to go. Sorry, it's about half the size yes. of us? And there's one person on, on board? Yes. Wow, okay. Noted. Um, so yeah, so she would do exactly that. She would coordinate those worker bees um, to um, bring it into wherever the commander kind of directs uh, or... Um, the XO kind of directs um, that they want it, want it uh, roped in at. Uh, we're at three momentum right now. Mm -hmm. Since the worker bees are now engaged with this vessel, could they, using their little torches, manipulators, and whatnot, uh, 
since this craft is so damaged, they could gather some of the material. Okay, and again, teachable moment. Thank you for providing the opportunity. So at any point that you have two momentum, you can do what is called create an advantage. And that basically is your way as players to mess with the current scene. So yes, if you want to spend two momentum to create the advantage that you get a sample of the metal, I am completely okay with that. Oh, go ahead and do that. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just in case it's not a friend. All right. So yeah, spend the two momentum and that it will be that the the worker bees are collectively able to grab samples. Very nice. From the craft and from the the damage section, so maybe we can tell what damage did. All right. So specifically to Commander Shashista, since you are tactical security, uh, you do get a report that your security teams are standing by at the gantry, just waiting for your approval to go in. Commander, my security team is standing by. Um, I would ask, and this is kind of just directed to the room, is the plan to bring this life form in uh, with the ship or are we transporting them directly to the sick bay? Let's transport them directly to the quarantine zone and your security team. Since we only have one life form, please have them go full biohazard suits. I don't need any random disease or anything infecting the station. Um, and then she would turn to the Commodore. Uh, permission to join my security team. Of course, Commander. And please take either Vokaya or one of her engineers with you as well. Want to take advantage of this situation and learn what we can about the craft. Well, we may uh, need uh, the person who has the most experience and is probably the best. <laughs> she uh, pretty much directs that to Vokaya. She's like on the edge of her seat, hoping that you would have yeah. cho- chosen her to get to get off of this bridge. Yeah, she's like, yes, ma'am. Not chosen she, like, laugh for this dodgeball team. <laughs> follows right after you. Okay. We'll, we'll turn to the Commodore going, I'm going to head to sick bay to see if we can observe uh, whoever this mysterious uh, life form is. What a coincidence. That's Sorry. <laughs> All right, I love Breaks. it. All right. have the ops. Yes, sir. And yeah, with that, that's where we're going to take our five to ten minute break. So we'll be back shortly, everybody. Stick around. And welcome back to part two of session one of Star Trek Showa Station. If you're just joining us, well, uh, long story short, an alien vessel has showed up at the station and the players have managed to corral it to dock and are now investigating the lone occupant as well as the ship itself. So I thought where we'd start is we would go to uh, Commander Shashista and Lieutenant Commander Vokaya um, going to more or less intercept the alien visitor uh, in sickbay, if I understood where everybody was going correctly. Um, and if I have it right, Callahan and Taraz, you were going to the vessel itself, or did I have that mixed up? I think you have it the other way around. Other way around, okay. Um, so let's still do Shashista and Vokaya first, where you guys are investigating the vessel. So... When you get to the gantry at uh, Docking Port Alpha, we'll say, um, when you get to the gantry, it's very similar again to DS9 where there's kind of that rotating gear. 
um, where a rotating door, a uh, series of rotating doors keep sort of an airlock. And the moment the other side of the airlock opens, and for sake of argument, we'll say you're in environmental suit, you're keeping biohazard stuff, all that goes without saying. Um, but when the door opens and you can see into the alien vessel, what you're noticing immediately, or at least what your suits are reporting, is the smell of burning plastic, or at least that's the closest uh, example I could think of, where the interior is smoky, the interior is um, not just full of smoke, but also full of, like, the acrid smell of fire and, you know, again, something burning. But as you sort of peer inside, you see active flames, you see sparks shooting out of walls, you see um, more than one... Uh, bits of plasma burning and I qualify that different from a normal fire because when you think normal fire you think you know reds and yellows and oranges the plasma fire is definitely more of like a dark green or dark blue and is putting off a not insignificant amount of radiation and what you can tell based on what you can make out through the smoke and the haze um, there does appear to be what might be a bridge of some sort. At least, you know, there's a center chair. There's a few chairs that are kind of down from that center chair where there's there should be consoles. But every control surface that you're seeing is either blown out or is otherwise sparking or in, in pieces, more or less. Um, would we see... we On the sensors, we got a, a tell that there was one life form. Do we see any once were life forms yes and interestingly um when you go to inspect one of the fallen forms they're not biological life forms in fact the more you sort of like flip one over they look sort of like um let me ask this has anyone played uh detroit become human or does would anyone know that reference yeah yeah so it's kind of what they look like underneath that sort of hologram shell that they wear, where it's kind of like an android body. Um, and it's very uncanny where if you were human, you would swear that they would look human. These androids would look human. Um, so what that means for Shishista being a Cation, I'll leave to your discretion. Um, but yeah, there's about the four or five... <laughs> I was say there's about four or five discarded android bodies that are either broken or in disrepair. Just the chassis of them. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. What do you think about all this? I've never seen anything like this before. Okay. I haven't seen any of this kind of tech before, and she like kneels down. Um, next to the one that they kind of flipped over and is kind of looking at the wires and connections and all that kind of stuff. Um, does it look like they like just stopped working or are they torn apart? I'll give it to you free. Uh, you would be able to tell that across the chest of the one you flipped over is almost like a bear claw. Now that you know what to look for, there's almost like a bear claw across the chest. So you see, like, exposed wiring and exposed gizmos inside the chest itself. Oh, no. What did we transport? 
Yeah, she like looks up to answer a question. She's like, "Yeah, this does not look promising." And she kind of like follows the line of the jagged cuts with her with her suit and um, goes to check the other ones if they've they uh, assuming they all died. And the she finds like marks on the on the other ones, assuming as well. You do, yes. And they're not all across the chest. One has it across the face. Another one, like an arm, is ripped off, and like it's been used to beat. Like someone has obviously ripped the arm off of an android, then used <laughs> that same arm to beat the android to death, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, it's a very rough. grisly affair if you're into mechanical things. <laughs> grisly affair. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and, no, and, uh, and she is. She is. So she would be like doing like the Aragon like scene in her mind where she's like tell, telling the commander like, oh, and this must have happened here and they must have fought this here. Mm. <laughs> they cut their bangs and uh, <laughs> and um, then she goes over to one of the um, one of the consoles and mm. um, you said those are all. Did you say those were ripped apart as well or they're just dead? Um, they're either dead, shattered, or almost like flickering on and off. Now, when I say flickering on and off, there is the possibility of restoring one to working order. She kind of looks up at the commander and she's like, do you want me to, to see what I can find on these consoles or should we put out the plasma fires first? Uh, she's going to look around. Well, why don't you try and figure out what's going on with the consoles? We'll get some other people to put out the fires i guess we can always find out what ensign jonathan's up to um and then she's gonna take one of the uh severed robot arms from the ground and just kind of hold it up i i think our biggest question now though is uh what did all of and she's using the arm to like gesture (laughs) around what did all of this and uh gestures to the scratches on all of them (laughs) um yeah, she would have been, she's like just watching her like do it. She's like, well, um, she's like, well, I'll check the logs too and see if I can find anything from that. And then we'll meet back. And she like raises her hand up for like a high five. Uh, she she oh. sort of will, with the end of the robot hand, just high Yeah, five. yeah. <laughs> she's like high fives it and walks away and goes to, goes to the console. Yeah, and, and the security minions are, I assuming, are still there. So um, oh, yeah. she's going to order them to put the fires out you put these fires out you watch and put these fires out <laughs> and your your security minions as they're clearly going to be called for the rest of the campaign the minions go to work putting out the fire um Good. so we're actually going to come back to you all we're gonna we're gonna kind of shift mid-scene to check on the others and we'll kind of bounce back and forth that way so when we go to sickbay and when taraz and callahan when you both step into sickbay I guess even before sickbay, if I'm being honest, you hear the sound of force fields kind of humming and repelling forces, and you hear what might be a roar of might be some form of an animal. And when you step in and you see what's behind the force field, it's immediately apparent that what you're dealing with, I, I hate to use the term alien, but you are dealing with something brand new. And what I mean by that is I want you to imagine a grizzly bear that has been mixed with some form of a lobster. Now, I know that's kind of a weird combination, but imagine kind of the basic uh, shape and size of a grizzly bear. So nine foot tall, very beefy, covered in fur. But instead of, you know, kind of bear paws, imagine more like lobster claws with a kind of clack and 
maybe a little bit of, uh, what is it, uh, exoskeleton kind of a thing. It's a very strange brown and red creature. And it is throwing itself against the force field again and again and again. And your CMO um, kind of looks to the two of you and goes, Oh, Commander, Com- Commodore, it's, it's a good thing you're here. Um, I I don't know what to make of this thing. I, I We need to sedate it or get it to calm down, but I, I don't even know where to begin. I, I think we can assume by it's throwing itself at force fields that this isn't the most intelligent creature. Well, that's that's the funny thing, sir. Um, by all accounts, what I've been able to scan of it, it should have an intelligence comparable to humans. Okay. We don't know what we're dealing with quite yet. Tell us what you do have, Doctor. Well, uh, I can tell you that uh, it does appear to be a silicon-based life form, which is exciting. Those are always fun to find. And, um... I can tell you that it does appear to be able to breathe in a Class M atmosphere. So, I guess, good news, if the force field does fail, it's not going to choke out or anything. Small positive. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to hit my uh, communicator to, like, security. We need two officers here at sickbay. Just in case, let's have some plans and prep on this. So the creature is continuing to pound the force field. Yes. And it's one of those things where it's like, booge, booge. And it's not getting more rapid, but it's definitely a constant wailing. And it even lets out like a roar at some point, which I'm not going to subject you to because it would blow out my microphone. But again, kind of mix a... This is weird because I don't know if anybody's actually heard the noises that lobsters make. But if you imagine kind of like a... A high-pitched squeal mixed with a grizzly bear roar. That's kind of what the sound ends up being. Yes. Okay. Are the universal translators picking up anything? No. Unfortunately, the the universal translator is, if it's trying to say something, the universal translator's like, sorry, I got nothing. Have we tried communicating with it at all? Uh, CMO looks to you and goes, um, no, sir. Well, I have tried to calm it down verbally, but it hasn't replied to or responded to any of my machinations. I put music. Everyone loves a good song. <laughs> um, okay, what what music would you suggest, sir? Something calming. I do not uh, recommend the old 20th century metal at this point. Okay. Um, hey, you don't know what it likes. We'll, we'll try it. I didn't mean to leave this communicator on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess uh, CMO Web, and it's Web with two Bs, as is classic. CMO Web just kind of goes, all right, uh, computer, play Web Playlist 2. And this is where the chat complication is going to come in, the one the chat threw in right before break. The complication is going to be that uh, instead of classic quote-unquote dad rock playing or instead of uh Hans Zimmer or something relaxing what begins playing is the most obnoxious high-pitched k-pop that you could ever think of now this isn't me digging at k-pop I was gonna say everybody loves k-pop to a point but the creature does not the creature goes ballistic 
And if you thought it was pounding on the force field before, at this point, it's like ripping up the bio bed. It's ripping up the deck plate. If it can get to the ceiling, it's like clawing at that. And, you know, as K-pop continues on, uh, Webb kind of looks to the Commodore and goes, Sir, I don't think it likes K-pop. Is there anything about the ship from our initial sensor scan regarding the, you know, its environment is you know identical to the one that's being provided currently on the station, or you know maybe there's something slightly different that they um, required. I would say without any roles required, you would know that the atmospheres are comparable. So it's not like something is missing. Well, Doc, I appreciate that we at least learned something. Now, can you play literally the exact opposite of K-pop? What's the exact opposite of K-pop, sir? I'm I'm at, I'm at a loss. Say one might say pop K, but I'm not for puns at the moment. Um, we could try this, sir. Uh, playlist three, computer, and uh, because I find it funny, and we still have a complication. Yakety sax from the Benny Hill show begins playing <laughs> because why not? <laughs> And as that's all going on, we're going to move back to uh, Shashisa and Vokaya, where at this point, um, the plasma fires have been put out by the minions. Um, the smoke is beginning to clear. The atmosphere is beginning to circulate. Um, but specifically, uh, I want to focus on Vokaya because Vokaya, if I understood, you were trying to get one of the consoles up and running again, correct? Okay. So, Shasista, you can, of course, assist on this if you explain, explain how. But what I'm thinking is this is going to be a control engineering on the part of Vokaya. And the difficulty on this will be a 4. Now, again, you're asking ELH, why are you making this a high difficulty? Because teachable moment. Um, so, at the moment, you only have 2 momentum after accounting for what chat's given you. And that might not be enough to buy the dice you want. So... This is where threat comes into play. For the same amount of momentum, you can basically give me threat, and threat is my pool of meta, of meta currency. And although I don't actually track it in uh, Foundry, I do keep track of how much threat you guys have given me over the course of a session. Now, you're thinking, well, what can you use threat for? Basically anything I want. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like risk versus reward. Like, do you want to give me threat for those additional die kind of a thing? So, for example, in this instance, um, if you wanted to roll four dice, you would have to give me two momentum and one threat. Um, and if you wanted to roll five dice total, you would have to give me two momentum, four threat. And the reason I put it that way is because some of you have specific talents that relate whether you have spent... Um, uh, momentum or threat, depending on what your talent says. Yeah, I have um, bold engineering. Okay, so, so in that instance, you want to spend threat for the chance definitely, to roll. Definitely. Uh, okay, so difficulty four, control engineering. Xeno mm -hmm. um, engineering would would apply. Most definitely would apply. Yeah. Or focus. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I will do exactly that uh, to roll f um, four dice, if that's all right. You said uh, two momentum and one. Sorry, threat. how many threat? One threat? Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. 
And then, uh, yeah, Shashista, if you want to assist, uh, you would Definitely. be rolling your own kind of control engineering on your part. You just got to justify what you're doing is what it is. Yeah. So I think Shashista has seen, you know, she didn't get that xenobiology from nowhere. Um, so she's seen a lot of different uh, species, races, but also a lot of their tech as well. So maybe being able to piece that together to make some heads or tails of what's happening. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So again, uh, you're going to be rolling uh, one die. And Vokai, you actually need to roll me two more because you only rolled two there. Oh, whoops. I forgot to change that. And you said control and engineering? Correct. I only rolled two? Yeah, I'm only... Well, let me check. I'm only Oh, I accidentally rolled three, I think. Three dice? All right, so let's do this. We'll take the seven, the 12, the 20, and the four for Vokaya, and we'll take the nine from Shishista. So that is so a can grand I re-roll, re-roll the 20 due to my uh, bolt engineering? You can indeed, yeah. And you can either do that by clicking the re-roll results uh, message in chat, or uh, you can just go through the whole process of perform task cam, whichever you find easiest. Oh, I gotcha. Excellent. Okay, oh, apparently nice. it really wanted nice. to have a complication. That's, that's <laughs> yep. what I'm getting. Okay, all right. So, uh, the, good news, <laughs> the good news is you do succeed here. You two working together, you do succeed and are able to bring a console back up to working order. But here's the complication. When you do so, a klaxon begins to sound. Not unlike a red alert or a yellow alert, but maybe a bit more frantic, a little more urgent. And a blue light begins flashing across what you are assuming is the bridge of this ship. I feel like something's wrong. Um, yeah, I might have crossed a wire here. Is there any way to uncross it? Or should, should we leave? Um, sorry, GM, so you said yes. klaxons are going off? but like, Klaxons the doors are going are... off, yep. Alarms are blaring. In fact, the best example I can think of is in the Midwest, for anybody who's been to the Midwest or heard from the Midwest, you know how their tornado sirens are like really creepy? Oh, yeah. And it's like that unnerving sound that's meant to get you to move and actually do something about the siren? Same kind of sound here. Yeah, that like shrill, oh, yeah. can't really think type yeah. of siren. Yeah. Yep. Are the doors and everything still open? It hasn't yeah, it's still open. Any... You can still get out if you need to. Well, look at that. Chat just gave me a complications. The door's shut. And your security oh, minions on are on the other side of the door. <laughs> the controls, I, is that what you just said? The controls I need are on the other side of the door? No, the security minions, the minions my... are on oh, the Oh, the security side of the door. minions. Sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, ca- the uh, comms cut out for a second there. Yeah, you um, Okay. Uh, Lieutenant, uh, or sorry, Commander, I'll definitely try to turn this off um, if you want. I think that would be a good start. Um, and she, she's just going to go over to the door and like try and pull it open, try and hit the robot arm into it to open it. Sure. Uh, Use the robot arm to open <laughs> it. I love it. Um, hey, still walking around with that thing. can get you many things. <laughs> I, it really can. It really can. Uh, let's do this. Uh, so this will happen at the same time, your two roles, but your two roles are separate. So, Shashista, I want you to roll me a fitness and a security to represent you opening the door. 
Uh, that's going to be a difficulty of one for you. And then for right. Vokaya to shut off the Klaxon, that's going to be a daring engineering difficulty of two. For my role, could I perhaps use the focus of hand-to-hand -hand combat because I am with my hands plus an extra robot hand combating this door? <laughs> I'll allow it. I love it. I'll allow it. All right. And we have... Yay! Uh, one more, because you only rolled one there. Whoop. And... Yay! Hey, there you go. Oh, Three snap. successes, meaning you get two momentum for your troubles. And yes, you are able to get the door open, and uh, the security minions obviously are like, are you okay, ma'am? Are, are you okay? Is everything all right? Oh, good lord, what is that sound? Well, what do you think? It's an alarm. You know, you should have been closer. Make a note. She starts making a note. Uh, next time when things are dangerously going on like this and we're in an unknown place, you need to stick closer. Of, of course, ma'am. Unless ma I tell you specifically otherwise than you do if I say. Of course, ma'am. That's not confusing at all. And we understand completely. Side note, narrator. They did not understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Vokaya, they did with... not, in fact, understand. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, yeah, Vokai, you got your two successes. So, yes, you are able to shut off the klaxon. In fact, when you uh, when you do so, you realize that it's just a standard sort of access alarm where you just initially didn't have the permissions to access whatever it was you were trying to access. But now, now you have full systems access. Excellent. Yeah, um, she turns off the klaxons and the whatever other lights or bells and whistles have gone off and um, starts poking around in the system. Yeah. So as you're poking around, we're going to go back to the gentleman. So at this point, the creature is still trying to get out of its cage in a sense, but uh, it's not at least freaking out like it was before. Thank you. Is there a way that we can get some sort of water or something like that? It could be just very scared, some nourishment, or one other. It's uh, primal needs might calm it down a little bit. Uh, I, uh, yes, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm very familiar. Um, I suppose we could take it some water, but we would need to lower a portion of the force field. And I hesitate to say this, sir, but I w do not wish to stick my hand in there. I got it. <laughs> John, let me handle this one. No, no, you're the captain, Commodore. In charge of the station, I got this. I have the support cat to help me. We're good. Oh. Support cat, very important. Yep. All right, so, Callahan, this is going to be a fitness and a con to represent how quickly you can get okay. the bowl of water or bowl of food in. And I'm going to set the difficulty here at a three. And okay. again, teachable moment, I'm actually going to increase the complication range. So instead of it being just a one or just a 20, you will now put in three for complication range. And that means anything to 18, 19, or 20 are now complications. Okay. I have the value always rise to the occasion and the talent dauntless, which helps me against being uh, like intimidated. Mm -hmm. On that, would either of those two things help in this situation? I would say that Dauntless, let me actually look at the rules on Dauntless here. Uh, let me see. Uh, yes, you actually would receive your bonus D20 on this. Awesome. 
Alright, so con and fitness. I need to complication rage to three. Correct. It's a good thing I'm bringing back this robot arm for you. Yes. (laughs) And so I'd start with, I would get, what, two die because of the talent on there? Yeah, well, you would start with three. Three, Start with three. And then I would like to use the three momentum to give me another two. Just in case, because this seems... It would give you, because again, if you're using Determination, so one die you already got from Dauntless, one die is from Determination, so you would get three dice total, that or four dice total that you would roll. Okay, perfect. Let's do that. All right. Okay, and we have a complication on the board, but you do get this requisite number of successes. So, uh, let me see. Quick math in my head. That gives you back... Nope, nope. You succeeded. So you are flat momentum right now. So here's what's going to happen. And again, this is a teachable moment, not meant to be a permanent effect or anything. So part of the force field goes down. You stick your hand in with the bowl of water and the bowl of food. And you almost get all the way out when the bear paw comes down and just not... Again, I'm not going to be graphic or anything, but to say that you're hanging on by a thread is a very apt descriptor. Um, And, of course, you know, CMO Web is, like, already there. like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Nurse, get me that that dermal regenerator. And uh, you, whoever your name is. My my name is Ensign Bobby, sir. Okay, Ensign Bobby, I don't know who the hell you are, but you, come over here. Put pressure on this wound. And uh, they begin patching you up, as it were. So, for the moment... You are without the use of your left hand, but after about five, ten minutes, you can fully use it again. Cool. And be like, eh, good numbers. And I'm just going to look at the Commodore. I'm like, you owe me a drink later for that. Do I? <laughs> we, that's how we did it before. So while he's getting patched up, uh, what is our visitor doing? Um, calming down a little bit. They are sort of like sniffing at the water and the food, maybe very carefully sort of snacking at it or like taking small little nibbles of it. Not really wailing against the force field as much anymore. What are they doing with the hand? I think they're leaving it alone. Well, it's one of those things where the oh, hand okay. came with the ca- the commander. He didn't leave oh, the, it did. the hand okay. behind. Okay, so yeah. it, it's, it was attached by some threads. Got it. Yes. Good clarification. <laughs> so while it's uh, checking all of that stuff out and, and Callahan's getting healed, um, yeah, I think Taraz is going to just kind of going up to the force field, you know, right, right on her side, right up close to it, mm-hmm. and just trying to talk, try to talk to the creature or entity. You know, we're not quite sure what this is right now. Sure. And just going through her usual, you know, spiel, identifying herself, the station, and. Um, you know, just trying to calm it down, trying to explain things, and maybe, you know, in the hopes that it will understand. Hmm. You know, like a presence roll. And- yeah, that's what I'm debating. Give me a presence command, and actually let me look at your talents here, because some of them may apply. Uh, you also have Dauntless, but you're not exactly being threatened or intimidated at the moment. Though, you do have Veteran as a talent, and that is important because for you, uh, whenever uh, Taraz uses her determination, you actually get to roll a challenge die 
And if it rolls an effect, you get your determination right back. So it is something where you are somewhat encouraged to use your determination. Um, so it is going to be a presence command, and I am going to set the difficulty. Let's you know, let's make things interesting. Let's let's set it at a five for this one. Let's let's set it at a five. <laughs> Can I assist on help anyway on this after I'm being patched up and everything? If you tell me how. Okay. I'd say going on like being close to it, be like, hey, I might have noticed this just trying to any input I can do to help from since I do have a focus in cultural observation and inspiration. Mm. I feel like I'd be very focused going in there anyway. I feel like I might be able to pick up on a few things. Sure. So Callahan, do me a insight and a con. And again, you're assisting. So only roll the one die. Okay. And make sure to reset the complication range because it's back to just the 20. So it's just back to one. Okay. Okay. So presence and command, and I will tap my value. Sometimes logic doesn't have an answer. Okay. And how many die do you wish to buy, if any? Because at the moment you would have to do so with threat. Yeah. I'm going to buy one die for two threat. Okay. So it's going to give me three more threat. Sorry. No, yeah, it is three. Yeah, I got it right. No, it's two threat. What am I thinking? It is two threat. There we go. Okay, so the number of dice in my pool is going to be three, and then I use the checkbox for determination. Correct. Okay. Okay, so that is three successes, meaning we need to see... Fine. Okay. <laughs> so, very important, because you haven't failed completely. There is a chance here. So now, uh, Taraz... You're going to now roll a challenge dice. And the way you do that is you perform challenge on your sheet. And you just roll me one challenge dice here. And basically what this challenge dice is doing is it's rolling a special D6 that has a certain number different faces. So unfortunately, you didn't roll an effect here, which means your determination did not come back. Um, so we now move on to another teachable moment. Again, I'm glad this is playing out the way it is because, again, teachable moment. You can get a point of determination back at any point, and this isn't just you, this is anybody. Um, anybody at any point can challenge a value, meaning that you are going against the value, you are looking at the value in a different way, and by doing that way, you would cross out the value, or on the sheet, you would just kind of hit that toggle next to uh, next to the name, and at the end of the session, you'll go back and change that value to reflect how your character has changed in regards to that value. But you get a point of determination for doing that. Alternatively, every now and again, I can look at your value and say, hey, if you follow this value and do something that is negative, I can give you a point of determination. So it's kind of one of those, I can taunt you as the GM, if that makes any sense. Um, but in this instance, if you don't want to, well, fail, you would have to challenge a value. Now, of course, I should make it very clear that sometimes failure is fun. It, there's, there, there isn't necessarily a terrible, terrible thing that's going to happen. It'll just become complicated is what I'm getting at. The force field doesn't fail or... Oh, well, I mean, there, things could happen. Uh... <laughs> okay. One question on my yes. role, I, I did not put a focus because I have one for negotiation. Would that have applied and could that have helped the role? 
Um, let me look. Uh, no. So you already got the uh, one success from the six because that one is your determination die. Um, so yeah, you don't have a, a command of six. So yeah, you would only get the one success from your roll. Can we succeed at cost? That's the thing that again, teachable moment. So every now and again, I'll let you guys succeed at cost. And what that means is that for every degree of success that you don't get, you can succeed, but there's a complication. So in this instance, you have three successes, meaning you need two more successes. So there would be two complications on top of the complication that Callahan rolled. So if you want, I definitely can think of three complications right off the bat, but that's your call if you want it. Yeah, why not? What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong indeed? All right. I don't need my right hand. It's fine. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it just turns into a weird uh, lobster claw. We, we got a spare robot hand, you know, that they're bringing in. So, yeah. All right. So here's what's going to happen. And this is going to be a little bit cinematic. And if we want to go into full combat, we can. I'm happy to explain it. But here's what happens. So, Taraz, you're trying to communicate with the character. Uh, Callahan, you maybe tell the Commodore, like, something you've observed, something about the body language, and the Commodore capitalizes on it. But... I'm trying to think of how to say this. It's one of those it things where wrong. maybe a remark doesn't come across the way you expect, and the creature begins to... Instead of just slamming against the, the force field, now it is once again trying to slam its claws into the... So instead of, like, body checking it, it's, like, clawing at it again. And this time, about the second or third swipe, the force field goes down. Complication one. Complication two is that at this point, you only have the two security minions in with you. And the complication two is that as they pull out their phasers ready to stun the creature and they go to fire, none of their phase pistols work. Or another phase or none of their phases work. So that's complication two. Complication three is going to be that the creature is going to grab uh the Commodore in its claws and kind of like hold you up above its head and roar triumphantly. Um, the good commander, with his time and the talent, is going to go into combat and using my mean right hook and attempt to rescue our good Commodore. <laughs> All right. So the good news is that combat in Star Trek Adventures is designed to be very quick, very snappy, and usually ends up resolving in less than a round. So awesome. the way it's going to work is Callahan. You are going to be rolling me a daring and a security. And this is an opposed check, which means I roll for the creature as well. Um, okay. But you basically want to get as many successes you want. Uh, so you are starting at a difficulty of one. So you may wish to spend threat for some additional die here. Yeah, I'll spend a threat for, for an additional die. Okay, rolling three. Perfect. And... Uh... And since I do have a focus in hand-to-hand -hand combat, would I get a... You would get a focus for deed, yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. So three is the number to beat. I'm actually going to use some of the threat that you guys give me gave me to uh, give the creature 
an additional die and let me expand that out oh dear all right so it rolled a one a five and a ten so that's four successes for the creature so what's going to happen is you go in with your right hook ready to like punch the creature out and it just bats you away with its extra claw and you are going to take a grand total of, let me find, there we go. Uh, let's see, it has that much and it has, oh boy. All right, well, apparently we have lots of teachable moments today. Jeez. Jesus. And a new character will be being rolled up. It was good oh, knowing everyone. No. You're in sick bay. All right, let me ask this. How much stress do you have? I think it says 12 on here. Okay, so this is a teachable moment. Whenever you take five or more stress in a single attack, you are considered to be injured. And when you are injured, you are basically out of the scene, meaning that I can't really attack you without spending threat, and others have to treat you in order for you to come back into the scene. Now, here's where the tricky part comes in. The creature has what is known as Vicious 1, which means for every one of those three effects, it actually does an additional point of damage. So that's not five stress damage it does to you. It does eight stress damage to you. So please mark that off. And when I'm sure the Commodore is going to have words for later, Callahan, you get smacked so hard that you see stars and go flying against the far wall as you are teetering on the edge of consciousness you can still shout advice and do all and do that sort of thing but you again you are technically out of the scene at the moment and there's nothing of a value that i can like at least try because i because i do have like the never giving up never surrender and be like i'm going to be trying to get back up i might not be good at it someone might have to stop me but i'm going to be trying to get back up and right rescue the commodore now i was going to save this teachable moment for later but since you brought it up yes you could spend your determination to stay in the scene however and i i, I want to be very clear on this this is one of the ways characters can die because mm-hmm. when you spend determination to stay in a scene, if I were to injure you twice more, you would be dead and there would be no coming back from it. Whereas if you stay down and I were to somehow injure you again, you would not be killed off. It's it's almost like um it's almost like a beginner's trap, as it were, where they're like, Yeah, you can stay up with determination, but it's a very easy way to get your character killed. Okay. I just also want to think of using I have the talent quick to action that in the first round of combat, I, me and my allies can ignore the normal cost to retain the initiative. That we how can that would use. Work. Okay. That we can use. So normally the way it works is it goes player, enemy, player, enemy. And it does. there is no specific order to the player enemy that goes. So it can either be Taraz, it can be uh, CMO Web. Which one would you guys like to go next? Because I saw Taraz, you looking up the Vulcan nerve pinch there. Yeah, I was trying to look up the info, but it activated it. Uh, that was, yeah, that's my idea there. If she's within range, to it's... yeah. I mean, again, you yeah. are in the creature's claws, like right. being held overhead, so you can definitely. Yeah, do I wasn't so. sure how far out his arms were, so yeah. Um, All right, that, that, that would be her move. So, uh, when it comes to the Vulcan nerve pinch, if I remember correctly, you can do a daring and a science, or a daring and security, whichever is higher. And you, again, are against a difficulty of one. 
and I would like to tap one of my focuses here for the role. Sure, which one? Uh, Sue Smona, both okay. martial arts. Allow it. Again, you may wish to buy uh, additional dice with threat if you so wish. I'm going to buy one. Buy one? Okay. Three successes. That is significant. I'm going to be nice. I'm only going to spend the one threat to give them one additional die, and uh, we'll just see what happens. All right, that is that is significantly worse for them. Yeah, they only got uh, two successes, so you actually get a point of momentum, and now you can roll damage. So uh, you are going to do five challenge dice for me, please. Okay, so form challenge five. Mm-hmm. And that is significant because with Vulcan Nerf Pinch, you, those effects matter. So I'd like to imagine, Taraz, again, you're kind of being flung this way and that overhead of the creature. You manage to get an arm out of the claw and, like, pinch on where the nerve would be on a humanoid. And the creature drops like a light. And I like to imagine that you gracefully alight, you know, as, as you know, instead of crashing to the ground with it, you just kind of land on your feet. You look yeah, over, you see Callahan. Yeah, you see Callahan against the floor. Already the orderlies and nurses are running over to to help out Callahan. And Webb is just standing there with his uh, medical tricorder in hand and goes, okay, so apparently the force fields don't work anymore. That's, I, I, okay, a lot has happened very quickly, sir. Um, what, what do you want, what should we do? This is not how first contact should happen, doctor. I, I'm in agreement, sir. Let's see what we can do to restrain our visitor to one of the sick bay beds. Hi, sir. As that's happening, we go and... back to the other party real quick. So Shashista and Vokaya, at this point, um, I would say that you have full systems access to the vessel. You just have to tell me what it is you're looking up. Um, once she got access, she would ask the commander what would be the priority, for sure. Yeah, check the logs to see what was going on here before all this happened. Um, and Shishisa would probably nearby sidle over to, uh, is, is there just one com working or are there multiples? I would say multiple. The one? At this okay. point, multiple. Uh, she'd sidle over to one and just kind of try to see if she can assess anything about their security weaponry, shields, anything like that. Sure, sure. So let's do a roll for Shishista. Um, go ahead and give me a reason and a security difficulty of one. And let's see what that uh, hopefully gives you. Oh, it should. Uh, this, this should be fine. This should be fine. Okay, here we go. <laughs> And three successes, Yay. meaning you get two momentum. You're up to four. And yeah, um, the initial sort of, I guess you would say conclusion in this point, the initial conclusion that this ship was a race car or meant for speed. Yeah. I mean, what you're seeing is no tactical systems other than deflector shielding. Um, doesn't even have point defense systems. It is literally just a flying rocket, all things considered. Now, of course, it's a warp-capable rocket, but, you know, what you make of that is your goal. 
Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, if Vokoya uh, learns that as well from their, like, you know, uh, sharing of uh, information, then mm-hmm. she's very much uh, looking into that and how that, uh, how I guess the propulsion of all that works for sure. She roll me a uh, reason engineering difficulty of one. And if you haven't caught on, this is my way of giving you guys momentum again. Because <laughs> um... the other scene needs it. That's yeah. <laughs> so, you know, engineering, I'm guessing, still applies. Still applies, yep. Another three. There you go. Another two momentum. Nice. You guys are at cap. Very nice. So, yeah, um, what you're seeing is that very similar to a constitution class, the warp core is a little bit more advanced than what you're dealing with. Uh, in the year 2195, the current year, quote-unquote. So you're looking at a slightly more advanced warp core. You understand the basics. You understand what they're doing. You're just like, oh, I never would have thought to do it that way, kind of a thing. Right, right. Um, But what you're noticing is that this, I guess you would call it passenger ship, or this delivery vessel, whatever you want to call it, it was on a direct course from that nebula I mentioned earlier. Like, it came out of the nebula. And can we see where it was headed from the logs? Um, course you plotting? Would, you could see that there is a spot about two light years into the nebula where it originated, but it quite literally did a beeline between its originating point and the station. I got you. Um, would there be any information in the logs about them being pursued by a lobster bear, um, having brought a lobster bear on board for some reason? <laughs> Anything about... And I... <laughs> I don't know that we down here would know that there's a lobster bear, but anything that indicates some sort of unfortunate event with claws. So I would say that you do get some information, but it's not the information you're quite after. At least maybe you haven't connected the dots because what you find is that this is apparently the vessel of Princess Ayako, A-Y-A-K-O. And apparently... If the logs are correct, she initiated a runaway program, meaning that she was fleeing from someone or something. And when you look up this Princess Aiko, um, you see that uh, she is apparently the Kozo Princess, K-O-Z-O. And you're guessing Kozo is her species, but it, as far as you can tell... Um, I think the best way I can put this is if you ever kept a journal as a teen, it is basically the diary of a teenager full of angst, full of, what's another word I can use? Full of um, very strong opinions about authority figures, I think is how I would put it. Um, Is there any indication on what a Kozo might be? For example, if they happen to be very hairy and have laws so interestingly what you find out is that the kozo have two forms 
One oh, is no. humanoid, and the other resembles a rock lobster grizzly bear. Oh no, we have we've locked up the princess, guys. And <laughs> and now Vulcan nerf pinched her, and now she's mm. gonna be real mad. <laughs> And it's funny you say that because as you realize this, again, you have no idea what's going on in sickbay, but we do as people. We go back to sickbay where as you all are restraining uh, the grizzly rock lobster, it begins to shift and change form. And what you see is uh, about a seven foot tall humanoid uh, with deep blue skin, um, very kind of like 80s rock star, like poofy hair. Um, that is also kind of black and blue. Um, her eyes, if you were to like, you know, push up the eye a little bit, you would see that she has black sclera and yellow irises. And, uh, you know, to keep her modest, she's wearing what is essentially a jumpsuit, kind of like a, a white and blue jumpsuit. And as she shapeshifts back to her quote unquote normal form, CMO Webb just kind of looks between Callahan and Commodore and goes, what the hell is in my sick bay? Uh, if I may, as uh, this is happening, I would like that yes. she she used her mobile com to yeah. be uh, to contact the other portion of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, Commanders, we found out something interesting. It seems there's some sort of uh, princess royalty of some type uh, that came in on the ship, and they have multiple forms. I'll hit the communicator. I'll be down in a minute. Just. Fell and rocked my bell. Well, I'd, I'd keep my eye out for this uh, this princess. She's definitely not on the ship. Yeah, Is we have a giant. Right? I can tell you, we found her, and she wasn't happy. Oh no! You better work on your apologies. And then uh, she she still will log off or get off a of com. In my defense, she kidnapped my Commodore and then threw me against a wall and cut my hand off. And cut my hand off. It's just a flesh wound. Uh, so the what we assume is this is Princess on, on the sick bay bed. Is, is she restrained at the moment? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the two security uh, officer, the minions, are, are currently in sickbay as well. Mm -hmm. At this point, they have exchanged their phasers for working ones. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you get those down to engineering. I want to know what went wrong. You got it, sir. Then. Uh, Charles is going to take out a uh, you know, data pad and, you know, she's starting to, you know, basically fill out her own kind of uh, file about this creature in front of her. Um, just, you know, like description and things that you, you just gave and looking at her rather sternly. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, well, let's try this again, shall we? And on that note, that's where we're going to stop for the evening and we're going to make this a two parter. Perfect. So yeah, what did you guys think? Uh, again, like, this is your all's dun, first dun, experience dun. with the system, so I'm I'm eager to hear your feedback. I enjoy it. I like yes. it. I like the uh, focus on RP, and I really like the the role system so far. 
yeah no i this has been very fun that's what i like to hear it's my first time being on the player side of the table for star trek so yeah it's, it's been a lot of fun love it love it all right. Well, uh, Twitch, stick around because we're going to raid somebody. But YouTube, uh, this is where we're going to say goodbye. So we'll see you later, YouTube. Bye-bye.